to another episode of The Underground Queens, hosted by Kiara and Kiana. Join us weekly as we grind it out together from the bottom, eradicating our perspectives, learning something new, laughing at our pain, affirming each other, because Kiana, you know, that's the most important part, and proudly, proudly stand in the fact that we don't know what the hell we're doing, but I bet we'll figure it out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, kings and queens. We are the Underground Queens Podcast. We are here back again with a wonderful episode. I am Kiara. And I'm Kiana. (laughs) I thought I was going to drop a beat. I thought you was going to go into it. I was about to say, just in a joyous mood. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I can't complain at all. You know, another day, another dollar here. Back at it. We added on a season two, nothing but blessings. And as always, I'm excited and so happy to be here. And that's that. What about you? I am living the dream. Speaking of dreams, I think this is going to be a great episode. Um, We will be talking about manifesting your dream home. So let's dig deep. Let's let's get straight to it. I'm excited. I know you're going to be excited. I know the listeners are going to be excited because this is just a nice, fun episode. It is. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people think about this anyway. You know, whether you're a teen, a in your early 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever age, this is something that people dream about. We're talking about manifesting uh, your dream home, Zillow home at that. Y'all know y'all be on Zillow because yes. I be on Zillow every <laughs> other day, knowing damn well right now. Um, <laughs> I'm about to buy a house tomorrow. <laughs> hey, look, I'm trying to make an offer ASAP, ASAP. <laughs> But for me, it's just kind of uh, soothing for me. I don't know. I just love looking at homes. Like, I just love, love, love because each home is different. The design, the interior, like the freaking furniture, how they got it set up, the location, the inside, the outside. I just love looking at Zillow homes. So, you know, I wish everybody would stop buying them up because I was coming (laughs) She said I was coming. I was coming. <laughs> if you give my me just a minute. Letter, you, my purple letter was already ready. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Let me catch a break. But I, I'm super excited about this because this is very informative. So if you are looking to purchase a home and you don't know where to start or you just need a little bit more insight, this is going to be the episode for you. We ain't no real estate agents, brokers, no, but that's why we bring people on to the show to help us out and we learn from them. We question them. We ask the professionals. We're going to ask the questions that you guys are wanting to ask. So if you're interested, stay tuned. We got an amazing real estate agent coming on in just a few, okay? Okay. Let's dig deep. Okay, we're back. Before we get into our fabulous guests, I thought it would be a nice and cute and wonderful like activity to just talk about Zillow. Like Kiana kind of got into it a little bit and it kind of inspired me to think like, yeah, like we do get on Zillow and it is like a stress reliever. 
So we're talking about Zillow. It's the app where you can go and you can look at houses from anywhere in the United States or is it like global? I think it's global. I think it's global. Yeah. Like anywhere. You can see a house. You can see the interior. Some have like the 3D walkthrough, but you can see anything that's available on the market. And it's so stress relieving. So today we're going to be talking about manifesting our dream homes, manifesting and just kind of just thinking of these big, big dreams, dreaming big on what we think and what we feel that we want in a home. Right. And our intentions we're going to talk about. So I will start at the beginning. When you log on to Zillow, are you looking for a specific home, meaning like your next home that you're going to buy? Or are you looking at homes that are like millions of dollars? (laughs) I do both. I do both. I don't really look at the million dollar homes right now because I just kind of know like that's a little bit too far. Let's start in the mid two, three, four, five hundred thousand max for me. Yeah. Million dollar home is cool and everything. I just, I don't know. I don't see myself spending that much money on a home only because I know I don't want a big ass house. I don't. And just some background for our listeners. We are Southern. I live in Mississippi. She lives in Atlanta. So when we say million dollar homes, baby, you know, the market is not like Los Angeles. So a million dollar home over there is probably like a two bedroom. Exactly. (laughs) It's in Compton, you know, in gangland. And a million dollar home here is probably half the city. So, yeah. Right. Just want to clarify that. Yeah, so I know that I don't want this big, huge home. I kind of know what I'm looking for. My dream home is something, nothing too big, nothing too small, like a nice mid-sized home. You know, however many bedrooms, let's say for right now, my dream home, four bedroom, two, three bathroom right now, 2,000, you know, anywhere from 15, 2,000 some square feet. Don't want a big yard because I don't want to maintain a big yard. Uh, want a little backyard, a little nice size for, you know, a little family events, cookout, stuff like that. I okay. am a closed concept girl. I don't like open concepts. I like to walk into my kitchen. I like to walk into the diner. I don't like everything like just whoosh. Right okay, there. pump the brakes, pump the brakes. You're going a little fast. You, 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 you're not... <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, she got the list together. She already This knows. is just, this is from the dome. Like, I know what I want. <laughs> I know. So let's, let's back it up. Okay, so are you picturing it more city-like or more suburban or country style? I would prefer suburban or country. Either okay. or. I like the country because it's out of the way. It's quiet. Not too much going on. But then again, I like suburban as well because I like to go to some stores from time to time. You know, I need something, you know, yes. in the area. But either or is fine. I don't mind having to drive 10, 15 minutes to Walmart. It's cool. Don't mind but that. For more of my specific home, like say, so I'm on Zillow for both. I'll be on there looking at a house that's close to me and like what I want next. Or sometimes I'm over there looking at $800,000 homes and it's for some odd reason. (laughs) But yes, I think suburban, because like you said, not too far, but still not so close as in like the city life. Or like you said, country, because I'm from the country. So I desire to have a home that's, I love a big yard, but I love the fact that you said that you don't want a big yard because you don't want to maintain that big yard. If I get a big yard, I've got to have a husband. 
You got to get out there and mow that grass. Like <laughs> <laughs> mow the grass? No, he he he'll do. He'll mow the grass. I'll do a little gardening maybe, but. Yeah, he's got to get out there and mow the front and the backyard grass. So if it's just me buying a home, yeah, I don't want a big yard. So guys, let's let's move a husband for a big yard. I told somebody, I said, I'm independent to come to cutting some grass. Then I'm I'm like, women got a roll, the men got a roll. Uh, <laughs> I'll do anything before cutting any grass. My dad tried to teach us. He did when we were younger. He was like, y'all need to learn how to mow grass. And it was cool and all. Like, it was pretty straightforward. But it's just, it's not for me. It's not. Okay. So we did the outside. Are you more of a flower girl? Um, or are you more of like just basic greenery? Like evergreen kind of flowers? I love all types of flowers. Uh, anybody that knows me, I love floral. That's my favorite. So all of it. And then I would like to have that nice green ass grass, that bright green. Stay oh, off the yeah. lawn. Get off the grass. <laughs> you know, Princess, when she got on the grass, I think so. And it was like, it was like, stay off the grass. And it was saying it in a different language. Anyway, it was talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And the outside got to look cute. The appearance is everything for me. I like a nice, modern-looking home. Okay. Are we talking front porch, back porch, or do you care for porches? I don't care about no porch. Mm -mm. Just as long as it looks cute on the outside. Preferably, maybe something new. I like new shit. New, new. (laughs) The new, new. (laughs) Always rock the new, new shit. Okay? Let me stop. I love (laughs) that. I prefer new because I don't want to have to do a fixer upper, like nothing. I'm going to have to be putting a lot of time and effort to like, I want everything good to go whenever I buy something. So I'm getting a very modern new kind of style, like basically new construction at that new construction. Yes. Okay. Okay. For me, like I said, I like a big yard, either a big front yard or a big backyard. I like long driveways, so I like when people can't necessarily see your house from the street. Like, you kind of got to go. Like, oh, if you wow. Back, you see my house, You what you want? Because you you traveled a mile down my driveway. Right. <laughs> but I oh, like no. I, I like that privacy of kind of like trees. I cannot do the driveway. Have you seen the... Ones with the trees, it's like a driveway, but the trees are kind of like folded over the driveway. Yes, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Yes. That is. Don't try to back out of it, Lord. Oh, no. <laughs> there was this one lady I used to bartend for her. She had this big, huge million dollar house and she had one of those driveways and her house was on a hill at that. Talk about scary. I had to bag my car out. I'm doing S's. You know, that really tested my <laughs> driving skills. OK, so apparently I'm not the best driver when it comes to backing up. I was like, oh, no, I'm not pulling all the way in, ma'am. <laughs> So we talked about front yards when we talk about grass, we talked about flowers. Okay, so in your backyard, what are we seeing in your backyard? Is there a pool? Is there a jacuzzi? Is there horses? Like, you know, what? (laughs) I would love a pool, but I don't want to do the maintenance. So just grass back there. That's it. Grass. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I might want to do, I might, I like a deck. I like a deck. I would love a deck, you know, to grill and stuff on just to entertain. I would love that or a gazebo or something back there, but nothing too much. Pretty basic. Yeah, sometimes when I'm on Zillow, I like to 
use their 3D. It sounds crazy. So don't judge me. Don't judge me, listeners. I like to use their 3D. So it's kind of like you're in the home and you're walking through the home. I love and, that. And sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm waking up and going to my deck. And hello, world. Hello. Thank you. I was just like, thank you, God, for just granting me this home. This home is just so perfect for me. Yes. And to me, that's the ultimate manifestation. It's like that's you have it. to see yourself in your home. You have to see yourself walking the halls and I love that even my list and your list is like I don't want a lot of grass because I know I don't want to mow it unless I got me a husband or you know because sometimes we want some people want these big grand things sometimes it's like but who gonna clean this who exactly go you hit it right on the target I don't want a big house because I don't want to clean a big house if I have a big house I gotta have some money for a maid or somebody but I would typically love my house to be a nice size to where I can clean it do what I want to do to it uh, with no issues you hit it right on the target I don't want a big house because I don't want to clean a big house then if I'm at home by myself mm -mm, start hearing stuff in a big house (laughs) I know so no for me and I, I I don't want too much you know just a nice size for me and my family and I'm happy that's it yeah we still yeah okay so we did the backyard I'd say I would love a pool or like a lazy river oh, that's, yes I like the gazebo or like you said the deck or somewhere where it's like a barbecue grill and like sitting areas for family family gathering I just like a big, like I said, a big backyard or a big front yard where we could do that kind of gathering in that space to where people can be kind of spread out. Kids can be running around. Adults can be over here doing adult stuff. You know, it's kind of, you know, everybody got their own vibe. We talked about outside. Let's talk about inside. Let's go starting in like, when we walk into Kiana's dream house, what do we see? Is it a dining room? Is it like a big grand living room? Like what are what are we seeing? What one thing that I do love is when you first walk into the house, it's like an entrance. Like you can't see into the house. You know how they got that kind of like that hallway entrance right there. It's like a little snippet, but you can't see all the way into you walk all the way down that entrance. Like the stairs are right there. And then just that little uh, main entrance. I got to have that. And then maybe as you walk in, you see a dining room to the left or to the right. And then you have to keep on walking to get to the den or living room. You're going to see neutral cold colors. I'm not too crazy about all these different colors and stuff like that. Like basic colors, grays, like a nice white. Or maybe a soft little peach color maybe yeah but nothing too crazy I don't like bold I don't want no blues no greens no no loud colors so something nice cool and neutral is what you'll see I must I love dark appliances I love dark granite countertops and cabinets I don't like light cabinets at all my cabinets have Zulo and you see them ugly cabinets you tap I I just I tap out immediately (laughs) Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. If I see white cabinets or like, you know, uh-uh, I, I don't like it. I like it to be dark, either a brown or a black for my cabinets. Okay. <laughs> kids get that stuff dirty, easy. Yes. And that's why I thank God that I've been able to, you know, rent houses to see what I like. Because now I'm in this house that I'm renting and I don't want any carpet anymore. So my next place, I've got to have hardwood floors. 
because Cassie yeah. messed that carpet up. It's yeah. jacked up. So hardwood floors for me. And that's it. As long as I have dark appliances, dark countertops and cabinets and hardwood floors, I'm happy. So we talked about non-negotiables. Um, so you said light cabinets, carpet are non-negotiables. Let's talk about something that must-haves. Do you have any must-haves in your dream home? Those things that I just said. <laughs> hardwood floors, dark yes. cabinets, closed concepts, nice bathroom. A bathroom, I got to have a nice bathroom. I don't play about that. If the bathroom is not nice and the kitchen is not nice, it's a no for me. So in your bathroom, are you doing separate? So say you got, we think we, we manifested. So you got a husband and everything here. Cause that's what you want. I'm not saying it's what you want. You said. Yeah, that you is. Want. You're right. right. Okay. So are you doing separate? Like his and her sinks? Are yeah. Are you doing separate? Okay. So yeah, on that. Are we you doing know, separate? You know, I'm an introvert. I need my space. So you have <laughs> your own sink. I have my own. And I would love for you to have your own damn closet too. So I can have my stuff. And you can have your stuff in your closet or a closet big enough to where I have my own side, at least. Yeah, I've seen the ones, I know you've seen it too, with inside the bathrooms, where the closet is in the bathroom. Yes, that's the new thing now. Over there and the men's closet is over there. (laughs) That's the new thing. But I was like, that makes so much sense. It makes sense. You get out the tub, where do you need to go? Get some clothes on. You know, so it's right there. Boom. I thought it was weird, too, at first. I was like, what the heck? But so do you like tubs or are you more of like a shower? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I would love a nice, you know, those nice showers with the clear glass, like the thin clear glass. And I want somewhere I can sit in there, too. And the shower, like the little bench in there. (laughs) And I like that little granite kind of you know, cool stones kind of designs in the shower. You know what I'm talking about? That's it. That's all I need. I don't really care too much for tubs because I'm a shower person, but Uh I would still want a tub separate for when I have a night. Okay, let me take a bubble bath, relax, have a glass of wine, have both. Yes, I love that. And since you said everybody kind of has their own space, have you seen the ones was like the two shower heads? So it's a shower head on that end and shower head on that mm-hmm. end. Man can be in the shower. He over there and you over here. That's what I'm talking about. And then we need one in the middle too for when we want to go in the middle. I'm playing. Join us together. Right. Meet me halfway. You heard me. I said, in case he want to sit on the bench and I want to sit on him. So, surfboard. <laughs> Let me stop. I'm more of a tub girl. Like, I love taking, not taking baths, but like soaking in the in a tub. Yeah. I love old style tubs with the feet, you know, like, you know, how they have like tubs. But so, my last question Have you ever searched? I know you say you're looking for more ideal homes, like where you're at now, but in on Zillow, do you just search? the greater Atlanta area since that's where you live at or do you search anywhere like potential places you might want to stay for the main part I search where I'm at and then sometimes I dibble and dabble like hmm I wonder what the price is looking like in Texas let's see what's what's going on (laughs) I'll be like hmm maybe one day I may want to go back home let's see what what's going on in Mississippi what's what's popping over there so I'll be a little bit of everywhere 
think so too. Sometimes I get mad at work and I'm be like, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. So then I'm searching jobs, then I'm searching homes and everything. So I do do like San Diego. I've done um, Texas. I've done South Carolina. So I understand that. I think this was a fun game. And I think this is something fun that you can do with yourself. You can do at home. Download the Zillow app. It is like a stress reliever. It kind of shows you what you like, what you don't like, what the market looks like now. Also, too, I feel that once you manifest the exact things that you want, once you write it down, once you look at it, you kind of get this feeling of like, okay, so to get this home, to get everything I want in this home. I need a job or I need some type of income to supplement this. Right. I do this. So it, it, to me, it had me go harder at my goals because you said this is where you want to be. And absolutely, any and everybody can achieve exactly where they want to be by just dreaming it and putting the actions. So we set our intentions and we've kind of looked at everything. So we know what our credit needs to be at. We know how much income we need to be bringing in a month. We know how much money we need to be saving. And we also know like what we want out of a house. Like if you're not a big family person, sometimes you may not want a big backyard because you know what I'm saying? You don't have a lot of family that's going to be over. But you never know that until you sit down and look at that. So thank you for playing along. I really appreciate it. And yes, and we're not even going to hold it any much longer. We're going to go ahead and bring on this real estate professional. She goes by the name of Sherelle Robinson. Um, She's phenomenal and she's very skilled in this area. So we're going to go ahead and bring her on and we're going to ask her all the questions that we want to know about real estate. So let's bring our girl on. Before we get started, we're trying out this new thing where we do like a series of questions. But I am excited about this episode. I got so many questions, uh, so much, so much that I want to know. I'm very I'm interested. Not single woman real estate panel over here. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, Sherelle, what we want you to do is uh, pick a number. We'll do three. So, pick a number, uh, one through eleven, and we're gonna ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll put my favorite number five. Five. Okay. So what's the last thing that you brought that was only for you, a selfish purchase? Ooh. Maybe about three days ago, a book. Book addict for sure. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I did that. And I felt guilty, but I went ahead and brought that book in and, and read it. <laughs> You've been enjoying it? Okay. Definitely. Yes, definitely. That's usually my, those are usually my, my guilt purchases. I plan for them, obviously budget wise, but Uh yeah, that's usually, you know, when you, when you have to sneak a bag in, like, so a family member won't say you bought another one. That's how I am with books. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of book was it? I don't really read fiction books. I read nonfiction books. So I usually read books that are like biographies or some self-help books or just about certain topics that I like. Even if I'm just trying to understand something new about something I'm experiencing in life, like stuff with my with my daughter's conditions or the industry, stuff like that. I read stuff like that. Yes, <laughs> ma'am. Let's see. Okay. What, Pick, 
number. Another one. Oh, two. Two. Okay. So what is your hot sauce of choice? You know, we're Southern and we're country and we love us. <laughs> what is your hot choice? Oh my God, I do not have a hot sauce of choice because all I know is some of like the little regular ones, like red hot with the little man with the lasso or something. That's Texas Pete right there. <laughs> Listen, somebody on one of these hot sauce bottles, it's, it's bitter. I don't like bitter hot sauces. Um. But, and I'll tell y'all a secret. I just started eating hot sauce. What? Like, <laughs> well, welcome to the gang. Girl, I was born, I was born eating hot sauce. Listen, no, not off the umbilical cord. <laughs> they threw a piece of fried fish on my plate. They crunched it up, put a little hot sauce on it, and I was starting oh to Oh, my eat. gosh. Yes, I. it's crazy because I just was wondering, like, trying to make some buffalo chicken dip or something, I think. I was like, I need to learn some hot sauces because I don't even know why I don't prefer certain ones. Why, you know, I need to, I need to be up on that. And it's like I told you guys before, my family has Southern roots. So I need to be knowing this stuff. Like my mom. We're going to send you some samples. We're going to send you Look, we got you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's see. One more, one more number. Okay. So seven. Oh, that's my favorite number. Seven. Okay. So do you get dressed first or do you get your children ready first? Mm, I get them ready first. Get Lord ready. knows. Get them cheerings together first. Really? <laughs> oh my God, please. And, and for the most part, it's because I'm wearing extra layers. So being visibly Muslim, I, I usually wear what's called a jilbab. So that's like what's considered an overgarment over, over top of like your house clothes. So I'm not walking around the house, you know, all this material, putting shirts on toddlers. I'm not doing it. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I definitely get them together first. Do you find it easier getting them dressed first than you? Oh, I do. And like I said, I just don't, I don't like being uncomfortable and hot or tripping over stuff or I don't like all of that while I'm, no. So I get them together and sit them down and get myself together after. Okay. Hmm, I'm going to try that. Look, I get all over the place. The opposite? Yeah, I get my my daughter dressed first. Let me get myself dressed first. What? Yes. Wow. <laughs> but it makes sense because sometimes I'm getting her dressed and I have a full face of makeup or something and I'm sweating and I'm like, oh. that's why I mentioned like the extra the extra fabric and everything. I'm not, I refuse. I refuse to be I sweating. A little bit here. I'll get my clothes on first, you know, and then mm-hmm. start getting Cassie fully ready. Then I come back to myself and do my hair or if I'm doing any makeup or anything, do my little final touches. After I get her completely dressed, I just be back and forth. I, I just be all over the place <laughs> in the mornings, honestly. Let's get into it. All right. Yeah. So today, guys, we are going to be talking about manifesting your dream Zillow home. I think this episode is so important. I find myself on Zillow a lot. You know, even though I'm not really, you know, trying to buy anything right now, but it's just something about just looking on Zillow, just seeing what's out there, you know, seeing the things that I like, things that I don't like, and just manifesting that perfect home that I want to have someday. So today we kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into the details about uh, purchasing a home. You know, it's a lot of listeners out there that are trying to get ready or, you know, they don't know where to start. And, you know, I think this will be helpful. Uh, We have some questions lined up. 
And um, I also feel like the market has been changing. At least I know here in Georgia, like after COVID, I feel like things have gone up. Like here, I'm like, oh my gosh, like they're starting off at like $250,000, $300,000. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what happened to the days where you can get a house for like $100,000 or less? Like that's like, that's not happening anymore. So it's crazy. So the first thing I guess we want to start off is like, tell us about the home buying process from start to finish. Okay. Like, All right. So, steps? so with the exact steps and you can find this stuff kind of everywhere where some people go into different types of details. So just on the surface though, basically you're, you're saving and you're planning. So a lot of people jump into it like, you know, I want to buy a house and they contact the agent and think an agent is going to show them homes after the first, you know, conversation. I don't work like that. I don't know who else might, but I don't work like that. I work like that at the beginning when I didn't know any better. Yeah. Um, when I didn't realize how much time that wastes um, mm-hmm. and how I really wasn't helping my client by doing that. So I always say the first step is saving and planning. So basically establish like your wish list, like your preferred areas what's negotiable in a home that you want and what's not, like what are musts. So you definitely should do that first. So that's like the pre-process steps, really. Then you approved. Whenever I'm working with somebody, I always request or require really that they get pre-approved first, not pre-qualified, pre-approved. Pre-qualification is a surface thing. They take your information and they make a generalization based on your financial profile, if they think that you will qualify for a mortgage. Whereas a pre-approval means they've gathered all of your information and they verified it. And upon verification, they also tell you how much of a mortgage you should be able to qualify for. Right. And that part is the reason why I require people to get pre-approved. Because if I'm shopping with you after I first talk to you, we don't even know what price range we're looking at. So right. we can be, you can say, I like these houses that are 336000 I take you to them. We're trying to make an offer. We go back to get the mortgage committed and you only qualify for 200000 We've wasted so much time. That, that's so people can't you know. come to me without a pre-approval because I've wasted my time like that for years. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yes. So that's definitely the saving and planning and pre-approval part. With the saving and planning, what would you think is a good amount to either be like a good money goal for some people to save before looking for a house or in the process of looking for a house? Yeah. And see, again, it's a little bit difficult when you're not at least pre-qualified so you can know what range you're in, because the range that you're in is going to tell you the percentage that you should be saving. Okay. Somewhat. So, but in a general sense, what you usually have to pay for closing costs can be anywhere from 2% to 5% of whatever the home amount is. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what it is. So maybe okay. how, how you can approach it is I like houses that are in the 200,000 range. So maybe start saving two or so percent of that. But in addition, there's always like uh, caveats to it because obviously some people get, I know we're probably going to touch on this later. Some people get pro get involved in programs that help them pay for closing costs. So they don't even need that much. So Mm. it it really depends. But for the most part, you should save as much as you can. And usually the goal is somewhere between 10 and 20% of your income should be going towards savings. Okay. So that's usually, that's usually the goal, but in the middle of the the steps sort of start to finish saving and planning, pre-approval, 
then you go shopping. Okay. Then you put in an offer. When you find a house, you put in an offer. So putting in an offer means we are submitting what's called an agreement agreement of sale. So okay. that's like filling out the whole paperwork of, of you know, what you're offering, the closing date you want to do, all of your terms that you're bringing to the table to see if they'll say, okay, this looks like a good deal for you and for me. That's what, this, okay. that's what will happen with the seller or the seller's agent. And they either accept it or they don't. If they don't, don't give up. You can counter offer and say, okay, well, maybe I can come up a little bit. You go back okay. and forth. So you put in your offer. If your offer is accepted, then you do a due diligence process. So that process is basically go back to whoever you got pre-approved from and say, okay, look, they accepted me. I need to get approved for the amount that you said I can get. So right. they go ahead and give you, uh, they run your stuff through again all of the stuff they already have to make sure nothing's changed because some people, crazy people make huge purchases or make drastic changes while they're uh, in this process and mess up the whole thing. So that's why they be saying, you know, don't apply for any new don't cars. Don't nothing. buy, don't do furniture. Don't Listen, do this. <laughs> they find it. They see it. They find it. They say, Oh, well, well you don't approve anymore. You, you oh. can't qualify for this anymore. And you're done. Oh, that's oh, wow. heartbreaking. <laughs> it is. Jesus. But it's their fault. So right. you have you to be disciplined, though, yes. it sounds like very disciplined. Yes. You have to have self-control. You have to in this process. You have to. How long is the process, like just an average? Oh, gosh. Like, from pre-approval letter to closing it. It so depends on a person's circumstances. It can be so fast that it can be a matter of like two months. It can be so slow. It can be a matter of years. But because of the buyer's emotional state. It's mm. a bunch of back and forth. You know, I don't want to do it. I'm getting nervous. Okay, I don't want to do it anymore. Okay, I want to do it. Can we start looking again? It's that kind of stuff. It's insane. Oh. So sometimes I don't even want to work with buyers who aren't ready, willing, and able. If one of those is missing, I won't work with you. Wow. You have to be ready to do it. You have to be willing to listen and have the self-control and follow like, you know what I'm telling you for to reach whatever it is that you're trying to reach and be able, meaning financially and everything else that has to be aligned. That's right. Does the same amount apply for, I guess, like with, say, a different situation? So you have a two income household that's trying to buy a house. Would you give them the same advice as a single mother trying to buy a house as far as the savings, as far as the house price range? Absolutely. Because it's not about how many people are in the household. It, it has to do with the number. That's it. It has to do with the number, meaning your income and your credit. Credit is really key. You can you can have very little money and qualify for something amazing because you have great credit. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't have to do with the number of people unless like, sometimes one person will not be paying the mortgage, but they're still on the mortgage. So they can be considered an owner. So they'll still look at your information, but it's really not a whole lot of bearing from the information to the process. So the main thing that they will look at is both you guys credit score and they'll take the median, the middle score of both you guys score. So that's how sometimes it'll be better if your score is a little bit lower. It might come up if you're on there with another person. Mm. But the income isn't really, it doesn't matter if it's a, because a single mother can be making, this is like, you know, a wild example, can be making 80,000 or something. But a couple, they could be on the lower end and be only making 50,000 combined. So it's not really about the two people. It's really about the number. Okay. Dang. Definitely about the percentage. But yeah, what I wanted to add to about the due diligence process, what I was saying, where they give you the mortgage commitment. So it's basically saying, okay, we really looked at the stuff and we're saying we're committing to absolutely giving this person 
this amount. So that's when the mortgage is finalized. You can take this back to the seller. But again, this is a this is a time that you have to do your inspections. This is a time you have to do your appraisal. Usually that's going to signify when everything is coming together. When you get the appraisal and the appraisal is and it says the house comes back fine. So the appraisal is important because if the mortgage company says, we're going to give you this amount, we're going to give you 250, but the house only comes in at 182. They're not giving you that. Mm. They're not because it's not worth, you're going to have to make up the difference. So that means you're going to have to come up with a surprise, whatever the difference is between those two amounts. So that's why the appraisal process is so important. But sometimes you can get like seller's concessions, which is really, Sometimes a seller might just want to get rid of the property so bad they'll help you. I've known some people who who will provide some some money for the closing process. Okay. Wow. Or even come down on the selling price so they can just close the deal. So the appraisal is important in that, in that regard. And you have to have homeowner's insurance. Usually you have to show proof of that during this process. They're also going to verify your funds and, and source your funds. So meaning they want to know where this money came from that you have to buy a house. So yes, so even that sounds if you so say, well, stressful. My gosh, and, and, and it's not it's not if you have the right person in your corner. So so even if you say, well, my aunt is giving me five thousand dollars toward this, and they're like, okay, well, just let her fill out this piece of paper that that verifies she's saying, you know, I'm, yes, I am giving her this, but they want to make sure auntie is not giving you saying she's giving you five thousand that she's actually promising to somebody else. So then they won't even have the right to get this money from her. That's mm. just what that's what they're verifying. And they don't want drug money from under a mattress. You can't get a mortgage with that. So they're trying to they that's why they want to source the funds. But I've literally worked with clients. They didn't have working income. They weren't working. They had disability, but they still were able to get a mortgage up in the two hundred thousands. So you shouldn't be disempowered by hearing it. It's just, it's just that it's new. (laughs) It's new Um, and it's a couple steps, but after that due diligence, when everything comes back, you know, fine, it usually does. It really does. You go to closing and that's just basically when you get your keys, you're signing your papers, they give, they provide something called a HUD sheet. A HUD sheet just basically shows all of the fees for everything that was involved that will get taken out of, you know, the funds that are exchanged and who's at closing is usually you your real estate agent, whoever the seller is and the seller's agent, and usually like whoever's coordinating the closing. So you're not you're not establishing all of this paperwork. It's a title person or somebody that's doing everything for you, doing the process for you. You're just there to really sign everything. And it's usually about an hour. It doesn't last long either. So you get your okay. keys pretty fast. Okay. Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit. Like when you were saying, okay, they don't want drug money under the mattress. So if someone has like a shitload of money, like say- cash and they want to buy this house cash. Can they do that? Or they have to have paper trail of how they're getting this money. So how they typically look at this is at your bank account. Usually you're not going to bring them, say, if you want a $400,000 home, you're not going to bring them $400,000 in cash and throw it on the closing table. What, so what, what does somebody want to do that, though? They're not doing that. <laughs> That's not typical. <laughs> That's not typical. They're, they don't have a money machine sitting there to count for hard cash. So, so usually you have to get a cashier's check. Okay. So typically that's what it is. But even though it's, it's nothing legal that restricts somebody from bringing that much cash, but nobody does that. But typically what they're looking at is they're looking at your bank account to see if you're depositing and withdrawing huge sums of money. 
Okay. They want to know like what you just like, to, you know, two weeks before you came here, five days before you came here, you just put 400K in your bank account. Like, where did that come from? They want to know why is that so sudden <laughs> and what are you doing? So they will, they definitely ask questions. I just had a couple were constantly like, well, where did this 4,000 come from? Where, why did you take this to, you know? And it was really nothing. It was like, this man has disability or something. His check came. What's the problem? Right. It was so money. <laughs> Disperse the funds. But, <laughs> but they just, yes, they want to have a preferred position for being able to reap this money. But if this money is legally tied up with somebody else, they won't know that if they don't source the money. If they just yeah. trust you, say, yeah, I believe you will take it. And then somebody else says, well, that was actually mine. They can't even get paid. Oh. So they can't just allow us to just say, and trust us. Okay. Right. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. I guess the question is, is, so you're saying in order to buy a home, you have to go through some type of bank. You can't just throw money on the table and say like, Hey, you're my real estate agent. I want this home. I have the exact amount they have. You have to go through a bank to purchase a home unless there are, are there other ways you can purchase homes? Yeah, I mean there there are a lot of ways that you can purchase homes. Like there's an intricate process. It's 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 not like in my purview of of expertise, but you can use money from a 401k from your works 401k to purchase a home. Like you can do something called a 1031 exchange. So say you have this is like a way to defer taxes that you have to pay. So say for instance you bought a, an investment property and you want to buy another one and you want to, you have to, you have to pay taxes on all of the profit you get when you sell an investment property. It's called capital gains tax. So when you sell a property, that's due. But if you invest in another investment property that's similar to the first one, you don't have to pay that. You don't have to pay it, but you got to follow these rigorous guidelines. Like you got to, you know, close on that property within like 180 days, that sort of stuff. Otherwise the taxes are due. But that 100% equity that you have, you can use that to buy the other property. So again, it's how the process goes is specific to that that way. But um, right. that's the alternative. But again, it's not unheard of that people pay cash. Obviously, that's what this entire market was for the whole, probably since a little bit before the summer up until maybe like now, to be honest, people were paying cash. Like my buyers were getting blown out of the water. Because they had a regular mortgage, like regular people, and people were coming with cash and saying, we don't even want to do an inspection. Just give it to us and we'll pay you 5000 more than you asked for. So wow. people definitely use cash and they blow regular home buyers out of the water because of that. But again, these people are usually investors and they can prove that they had this money in their bank account. Right. So it wasn't just so even if you have usually a few some months before if, if if money's been sitting still for five months six months that's good to them okay but playing around in your bank account two months before three months before it doesn't look good to them it looks right. like you know something's up like how did this just miraculously come out right. so for instance mm-hmm. Madea passed away Madea left everybody in the family five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars so you can't go and buy a house with that money Madea gave you within a month. It's best to wait a couple months, let that sit, don't touch it, and then go through the process. Well, in that case, it would be a paper trail because this is this money is coming from somewhere with her. Oh, and so if she okay. died, it's a paper trail showing she had it and she gave it to you. So you don't need to do all of that. That that proves where the money came from. That okay. kind of paper trail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they okay. just 
source your funds. They want to know what source these funds came from and that you can tell them what, where that source, what that source was. Cause it's legal right. paperwork because somebody passed. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, I know that of course, if you have great credit, you can get approved for great things, but what about people who don't have the best credit? Like, is it possible for them to still become a homeowner? Is it more, of course, it's probably more difficult, but it, uh, is it possible for them? It's definitely possible for people who don't have good credit, but again, your terms won't be great. Mm. And why go into a circumstance when you aren't the greatest winner in the situation? You know, so for instance, you can get you can get a loan for a FHA loan if you have like a 580 credit score. Okay. But your interest rate is going to be higher. And if your interest rate is going to be higher, then your payments for your mortgage are going to be higher every month. So why not wait until you get your credit up a little bit, Mm -hmm. qualify for better terms, and they can't grab you with all of this interest because your credit score, you you seem more reliable to them. Because if you think about it, essentially, your credit score is the grade you're given for your financial history. It's telling them, look, I've gotten, I've gotten like if you're in school, I've gotten A's this whole time. That means that equals a 4.0 GPA. That's what your credit score is. It's your GPA. So if you've been getting D's the whole time because you got 40 repossessions and this, this, and that, at the end, you're not going to have a 720 credit score because your history has shown them that, well, to them, it looks like irresponsibility. It looks like I shouldn't trust you with my money. Mm. So that's what that score is telling them. And when they don't trust you, they have to add interest to protect themselves, to be able to reap something from somebody who is a risk. So even with people who are like, say, so it is possible Get a house with a five, you said 580 possible, but your interest rate will be higher. So would that affect you more like your monthly payments, your monthly mortgage payments would be higher? Or would they just add that interest on the back end? Like you spend a little longer. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a part of because your your monthly payment is made up of your principal and your interest and your insurance. That's what your payment is comprised of. So the portion that's related to the interest is going to be high. So that's going to make your that's going to make your credit score. I mean, your your uh, interest payment, having a high interest payment is going to make your credit score. Uh, I mean, your uh, monthly payment higher for sure. Mm, gotcha. But the main thing that needs to be focused on is if you have a poor score, you shouldn't be investing. And it's, that shouldn't be your first priority. I'm not saying wait for however long this indefinite amount of time before you ever even look at a piece of property. I'm just saying a poor score indicates that you have some type of important issue that you should be addressing. So if you're coming into a situation where you, they can, somebody, if you stop payments or something like you did with something in the past, which obviously happened, if you have a low credit score, if you continue that same behavior, you will lose a whole home. You'll have a foreclosure. A foreclosure can be on your credit uh, report for seven years. Right. So the whole thing is you're you're kind of just creating a snowball effect that's just not good for you. So usually just take that as an indication of it's something I need to address. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm thinking more lines of like residential, like not necessarily investing, but like this person residential. just be- yeah. Definitely yeah. residential. I don't think that I feel like even though certain scores are considered still considered a little bit low, maybe like a six hundred, that to me that seems, you know, fair the reality of most Americans, but for them in their world, say lenders, that, that seems pretty low to them a little bit. So, but you might feel that you have a, your spending plan is fine. 
you have your expenses and your income matched to a reasonable degree and you feel like you could deal with a, a mortgage because essentially it might even be less of an amount than your rent. Bingo. That's yes. it. I was and just going to ask that. And in addition to that, you're writing off your interest every year. The interest you're paying, you're writing that off. So you can lower your tax bill. So it's a lot of benefits, even though, you know, you might have a have a lower score. But if you're really deep down low there, you shouldn't be focused on that. But if you're in a reasonable position, but it's still considered, quote unquote, low, then you probably would be in a better circumstance where you could really help yourself because obviously housing takes up the biggest percentage of people's income. So if you can get that under control, even with a mortgage that's lower than the rent you're paying, which rent is going to keep going up every year because of inflation but your mortgage isn't really going to do that, then that might be the way to go to kind of create some stability in your finances. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, yeah, you can still purchase a home with yep. a, a low credit score and, you know, and maybe they could even what refinance or something later on down the line, if they get their credit score together. Uh, I also wanted to touch on first time home buyers. Uh, what are some benefits of that? Like I was hearing there's like different programs or stuff or grants or something. Talk to us a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, first time home buying. So usually the first time home buyers, most states have them. So like even, you know, where you are, you said you're in Georgia, right? Yeah. Georgia has anywhere, usually in the South. Uh, Mississippi has them, different places. Philly, definitely because it's a big city. So mm-hmm. usually um, it's, a, it's like a first time home buyer program for, it's usually with their city governments usually have them. So what it is, is it's almost like a short course that you take and you get a certificate and usually upon completion, then you, upon having this, the certificate, basically you have access to whatever, whatever their amount is that they typically give. Sometimes they give up to 6,000. Sometimes they give up to 10,000. So if you think about that, if you only have to pay 5,000 in closing costs, your whole thing is covered. All really, right. if, you, if you if you have that, you know, so that's why I was saying, even if you have lower income, say in the case of a single mother or whatever the case is, you can still qualify because these people are helping you as um, long as your income is able to sustain your payments. But it's there are so many, um, even Habitat for Humanity, they have something where they match your savings. So you you put for every dollar that you put into this account, they match it with two dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's basically up to a certain amount or something like that. And you can use it for purchasing a home. Oh, so wow. there's so many different, there's so many different programs. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable what's out there, but a lot of them are for first, first time home buyers and they do, they function usually the same way, taking this course, getting, getting a certification. So you can understand the seriousness of owning okay. and understand the benefits. And, and some of what I'm telling you right now is what they just want you aware that's what that course is about. That's just like when you get student loans, you have to go through the borrower's counseling or whatever. Yeah. They yeah. So you can just know. That's basically what that's for. Okay. Um, so you won't go into it ignorant. Okay. So you mm-hmm. have to take the class. It's typically yeah. like a long class or something like. No, it usually. And it depends how it is right now with COVID. It, it might have been easier because you can do it online. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to go into a building. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So usually... COVID helped a little bit because people didn't have to leave their homes to do stuff like this. But that's usually the case. The the first time home buyers um, programs, they come in different forms. Sometimes they're through the state. Sometimes they're through the city. Sometimes it's general organizations, like I said, with uh, Habitat for Humanity. So they're not just, it's just, it's not just like one first time home buyer program for region. That's not how it is. It can literally be like 10. Okay. 10 different kinds. Yeah. That give different amounts. 
Oh, okay. That's good to know. Okay. So you want to get into an uh, investment properties? I think. I want to definitely say I have seen a program where they even will, once you complete the program, they will build you your house. What? Come on. It was a special program here, like, you know, around Hurricane Katrina or what, but it was like a class you took, I think, for a year long or something. It may have been longer than the class you're talking about, but literally at the end, they build you your house. But I know what we'll do. We'll provide in the show notes different grants and different links to programs for Mississippi as well as Georgia. Um, Or reach out to us and we'll try to find like whatever state that our listeners are listening in. From. But I do want to ask one more question before we get into investing. Well, two more questions. So do you see a lot of people who buy homes with people, but then later on have issues with them? Like, for instance, you know, of course, if you're married, that goes through divorce court and trying to figure out who gets the home and who doesn't get the home. But people who aren't married, because we, you know, we have people who are from, you know, all walks of life. And you may have a significant other that you are not legally bound to but you want to buy a home. Would you Mm -hmm. suggest that? Yeah, because people do it all the time, just like they do it with investments. But the difference is regular everyday people might do it, say, just with a family member or whomever, maybe just a partner, whereas investors are doing it under an LLC, but it's still a partnership. Mm -hmm. So that's a major protection, a major protection, LLCs for, for real estate, because if it's in an LLC, Anything happening with this property, you know, people want to sue property owners for everything because it's a stable source of whatever that they think they can siphon from. Usually they can't go after your personal assets if it's under an LLC. So, but regularly, if it's not, they can come take your car. They can come take, if if, you, if they think selling your furniture will get them their money back that you owe them, that you signed and said you'll give it back, they'll take that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so well, under me. LLC, it's not, it's an entity. So they have to take from the entity. They can't take from you as a person. So what you're telling me is, is, you know, just put everything under LLC. Be so about that- your business. <laughs> yeah, be about your business. <laughs> I mean, that little $125 or 100 and whatever to have some full protection of all your stuff. Absolutely. And shameless plug, obviously my legal division of SRE LLC does LLCs, obviously. But but that little fee, if you're going to do, you know, usually Department of State's charge like one something to process the paper to create an LLC is like nothing to protect yourself. But definitely okay. with um, having multiple people, if you want to get somebody off, that's a real estate legal issue. So definitely you should be contacting a, a real estate lawyer. But or if it has to do with somebody passing away, something something to do with a will or a will wasn't there and the courts have to decide what to do with it. That's probate court. So you might want to talk to a probate lawyer. But generally, if this person just signs off, it'll be an easy process. You won't have to go through all of that. But the difficulty is a lot of people want to be vengeful and they'll say, you know, well, I know I can't afford it, but no, I'm not taking my name off kind of thing. That's all they typically have to do is sign off. Oh, wow. And that's perfect. Perfect. So, guys, we're going to take a little break. And after these little commercials, we're going to be right back. Can we put your business out in the streets? People be nosy anyway. So if you're interested in promoting your business, brand, platform, or whatever it is that you want people to know about, hit us up. Or if you're interested in just sponsoring an episode or two of the Underground Queens podcast, feel free to email us at the Underground Queens with a Z 
Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the Underground Queens Podcast at gmail.com. Or DM us on Instagram at the Underground Queens. Or you can even hit us up on Facebook at Underground Queens. We look forward to working with you and helping putting your business out in the streets. All right, we are back. We are back. We've been getting a lot of good information here from Ms. Sherelle. She's been so great in answering all these questions. We're going to keep it going. So we've talked about the process of uh, buying a home, first-time homeowners grants, the ways that you can buy a home, things that you need to do to prep to purchase a home. Next, we want to get into investing. So tell us about that. Like, is the process kind of the same, like as buying a residential home? Is it the same thing as someone wants to buy an investment property? Are the steps pretty similar or? The steps are pretty similar. It's just the the sources and the steps might be different. So for instance, the lender might not be a traditional lender, depending on what you're investing in. The lender might be what's called a hard money lender, where they don't care that much about a credit score. They care about what your project is going to do, the kind of return it's going to get so they can get their return back. That's what their focus is. But they usually have higher interest rates. However, it might be a shorter term, but at the same time, it makes it more possible, especially since it's not something that you're living in. Hmm. If you're going, it's different ways to invest. Obviously, you can fix something and flip it immediately. You can buy and hold it until, you know, a certain place in the market comes along and you feel like it's the best time to sell. You can obviously buy and rent. You can live in a part of a, say, duplex and rent the other part out. So it's different ways that you can recoup this money to give to the hard money lender. Like I said, usually with a regular everyday home buyer, you're going to a general lender. Whereas with the investment, you might get the hard money lender or you might have, there's pair-to-pair lending. So basically, very similar to the hard money lender, they don't have as stringent requirements as a regular lender. So- Yeah, sometimes they're not held to the same standard, federal standards that regular banks are held to from the FDIC, a part of the federal government. So they have more wiggle room to allow certain things to happen. So that might be different, a peer-to-peer lending. You might get, like I said, with investing the 1031 exchange, people use that to purchase the new property. It's just different ways that you can possibly do it. But I want to make a distinction though. Usually with properties that are residential, single family homes to multifamily up to a fourplex, up to four units is considered residential. Anything beyond four units is considered commercial property. Okay. So obviously you can invest in either one, but that's important to know because that forms the kind of loan that you need to be seeking. You can't get a fiveplex and think that you're going to go to a regular residential lender and ask for that because that's not what it is. It's a commercial property at this point. Oh, um, so that's really important to know. Yeah, it's, it's up to a fourplex is considered residential, but other anything beyond that is considered commercial, even if it's a residence. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know you were saying with uh, investment properties, they don't really care too much about credit. Is there a minimum credit score that people would need to have if they're interested in investing in a property? Usually, obviously, credit scores are from three to eight hundred. Nobody wants anybody coming to them with a three hundred credit score. <laughs> Because they're going to think you're crazy. <laughs> so that's they like, I don't know what that number is. <laughs> <laughs> so even if there is no stringent, no formal number given, you want to come to them for them to not laugh in your face. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You want them to take you seriously. Right. So you're not coming with like a 400 talking about, can you give me 300,000 to get this duplex? They're not going to take you seriously. So you have mm-hmm. to come respectfully. That's just like when you're presenting an offer on a home that you're interested in. You, if it's 200,000 and you're saying, well, I'll give you 98, please. We're not even having a conversation. It's disrespectful. Oh my God. So you just don't right. want to come to them. You, you know, you want to come to them to be hurt. Okay. And you, you'll be hurt if you seem serious enough. Talked about flipping, which is kind of you taking a home that's a fixer upper and you fixing it and you are putting it back on the market with more value. We talked about, I think you were trying to say, like, maybe I'm assuming wholesaling. So it's kind of like buying a home and then waiting and then waiting to like market go up or down and selling it then to get your profit. We talked about buying a residential single family home and renting it out. And that way, you know, you can get your money through income through that. And we talked about commercial property, which is either a fiveplex or more, a small apartment complex, or like even just like a business, like a barbershop or a beauty salon. How obtainable are those for people, for just regular, regular people? How obtainable is that? Very. First off, I'm just going to clarify one thing. Wholesaling is not even having the property to necessarily sell it. Wholesaling is the process of regular, regular person seeking out maybe homeowners who say they live out of town and a property is has been abandoned. And basically you can easily find homeowner information online in different ways. So you find out who to contact and you speak to this person, you make them an offer. So you make them an offer for $50,000 for their home. They say, okay, you go to investors that you know whoever you're networked with or connected to, people who are looking for properties, maybe that you have in a database or something that you consistently work with, you tell them about the deal. You actually, you're signing the paper, but this should be told to the seller. This shouldn't be a secret. You're actually signing the paperwork to, for lack of a better word, tie up the property, but you sell your contract that you sign to the investor. So the investor is the actual person who's buying the property and you charge them a fee. So you may get $3,000 or something for finding that, tying up the contract and selling it to them, whereas they're actually going to be the purchaser. Mm-hmm. And you just get your fee for basically brokering a deal. That's mm-hmm. wholesaling. Oh, yeah. That's wholesaling. It's basically called another word for, I mean, another phrase for it is flipping contracts. That's what they consider that. But everything that you mentioned is attainable, I say, because most local governments have what are called development loans. So people think real estate development is making a whole block of properties building from the ground up. That's not the only thing that encompasses development. Doing rehabilitations, repositioning. Repositioning is like basically something I did. It was a pawn shop that I got and I turned it into a salon. That's repositioning. You're repositioning it from one use to another. You can use development grants for things like that. And most of the time, they have them for minorities because we are so underrepresented in the real estate industry. So they'll give like a real estate grant if you have a certain amount of income. I say one that's in Philly. If you have a certain amount of income, they'll give you this grant to fix up a property and also some of the resources. You fix it and you're able to flip it and get a a little bit over 150,000. It actually has a cap. So you can't sell it for more than a certain amount. That's probably something financial that they can't write off or something. So that might be why. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it, but I'm guessing that's what it is. But that's why I said it's attainable because governments and places like this know the gap that's in the market. We're underrepresented. So they're providing so many incentives for regular people 
to get it, but we don't know it's out there or we're too afraid and we won't pursue it. So it's right. definitely, is, and like I said, because there are so many other financial options for acquiring properties like your hard money lenders, peer-to-peer lending, even if you do a Kickstarter, I mean, something general like that, those options are more plentiful than say going to mortgage lender and having to have a perfect score. Right. So I'm saying there's so many avenues. This is one avenue for somebody who's worked really hard and they're on this trajectory of a good credit score and somebody else who just wants to invest and pull themselves out of a situation and doesn't have great credit, but they have a, a good plan and something to work with. They can go the investor route. It's something for everybody. So you will also suggest too, like say like you people on different paths. So say you have someone who wants to kind of get out of a rut or get out of like this paycheck to paycheck kind of deal. So would you suggest to them to do more of like an investment first or focus on them getting their own personal house first? It depends on the circumstance. Like for me, I've been a real estate agent since 2008. So practically 13 years. However, I don't want to plant roots in a particular place because I, for instance, one consideration that I have is I need to be in a specific area with specific services for one of my children. And I also consider different places at different times for where I wanted to have specific career. So you might not want to plant roots just yet. So just getting a home just to get a home isn't for everybody. And especially if you're going to, you know, up and go really quickly, you shouldn't be getting a home yet. Mm-hmm. But for instance, with with people who might have like a bit of a shaky profile, so to speak, meaning credit score, whatever the situation is, like I said before, if it's something where you have this major debt that's following you everywhere and your score has been low for a really long time, address it. It might be something you can get deleted off your report. It might be something that you can pay down. Like the main focus should be whatever you have on your credit report that has the highest interest rate that's dragging you down the most, attack that first because that's the thing that's going to make the biggest change. But if you're in a situation where you're okay, a little bit okay, maybe you can do wholesaling, like I said, where you're flipping the contracts to get you a few thousand. Once you do two contracts or three contracts, you have enough to go ahead for your down payment. So that's why I'm saying like you can easily do or another route is to become what's called an LP, a limited partner in a partnership, which is considered real estate syndicate. That's just like a fancy phrase for real estate partnership. So even if it's like, a group of people, maybe three people or so who want to invest in properties, maybe you'll provide 500 or a thousand and you're saying you want a specific return. That's a way to get into real estate. You're finding a way to get these lump sums so you can finally invest how you want to or buy your home, the home that you want to get. You know, it's just different ways to do it. And they're also something called REITs, R-E-I-T-S. So they're real estate investment trusts. So that's basically owning real estate without owning real estate. It's like owning real estate on paper. And say, for instance, I want to, I only want to invest in, say, single standing properties like pharmacies, like Walgreens and Rite Aids. I invest in them. Every time, I mean, whenever the distribution period is basically when you get your return, you keep getting a constant return as long as you invest in this, but you don't have to operate a Walgreens or a Rite Aid. So it's just like you function with that, how you do with stocks and bonds. Okay. So you can physically so like, own it or own it on paper. To like just invest in, like say a portion of a Dollar General. So every time there's a Dollar General pop up out of nowhere, you know, you're getting some type of like return on that. Hmm. A category. A- so sometimes it might be a healthcare REIT where you invest in this healthcare REIT that only invests in medical offices or they only invest in children's hospitals or 
Maybe they only invest in entertainment spaces like movie theaters or something else, like whatever. And I would recommend knowing what industries are kind of recession proof. So for instance, storage and industrial space like warehouse space are really big, even in a recession, because everything's online. So people need space to hold their items like Mm -hmm. Amazon, all of these places. So where commercial space is office space, nobody's renting. If you invested in a REIT for office space, you might not get a, a huge return. But if you invest in a REIT for industrial space, I mean, all of these online boutiques and Amazons and everybody popping up, you're constantly getting a return because that's what's huge right now. Oh, wow. Look, I did not know. I, look, this is <laughs> learning me something today. <laughs> so and I'm glad. I'm glad. So you guys can know. It's, it's yeah. Not, it's so it's like far-fetched different all. ways that you can get into real estate without necessarily, you know, putting your all into it. And I think it's all about your path, too, because we know people like say they may be still like, for instance, I got a cousin, you know, he may want to go more legit with his, you know, business. So it's like, okay, so work on your career while you stay with your mom, you know, and you may want to buy a house first or maybe since you're comfortable staying with your mama, you may want to invest in a home and then get some return on that. Then you really can get the home that you want. Or you may buy some property on Main Street and you want to, like, here's a barbershop. You don't cut hair. You don't do hair. But you might want to open it up for people who, you know, who do. I think people need to know that. People need to know it's obtainable. People need to know, like, you don't have to go and get two jobs. You can work your main job and you can get a return, whether it's buying or renting out a house, whether it's investing, putting some money into like a major corporation and you getting some type of return on it. Also, like wholesaling, I do love that you kind of broke down each one. We talked about different careers as far as like wholesaling, flipping it, you know, different side hustles or main hustles. How is it, I guess, for like a career but I guess all in all saying, you told us different ways how to make money with real estate, how to purchase a home through real estate. How would you talk about, I guess, like bring awareness to careers in real estate, for instance, like being an agent or even a career in being a paralegal. I know that's something that you do on the side as well. I feel like those are good side hustles or main hustles that people can really tap into. So as far as real estate as a career... I kept trying to decide, you know, where do I want to be? I don't have to be pigeonholed into one thing. And that's literally what I mentioned to the school that I'm in when I sought them out to get my master's in real estate development, because I'm like, look, nobody's going to tell me I need to just be an agent for five decades, because that's the main place you see some Black people in real estate, especially women. So as far as being an agent, I feel like it's the shortest amount of time. You really have to go to school to learn the basics to take your state board exam and get licensed. However, people think it's glamorous. People think it's like, yeah, I sell real estate. I'm a realtor. But it's no no indication of that around your life. It's just something that you're saying. So the main focus that people need to have is it takes discipline in this. Like you literally have to, I literally have like schedules. I have, you know, certain things that I function. I function like I'm in, like an office would have me do. It's tasks I have to do every day. Certain things I need to have on my to-do list, you know, things like that. You're addressing your marketing because you're an independent contractor. You're not an employee. You're paying your own taxes. You are an independent contractor. You're responsible for you and your success. If you're responsible for your own success, that's a lot of pressure. 
And you have to have certain characteristics to pull that off. You have to be self-disciplined. Like I said, you have to have initiative to go out and get it. No client is finding you. They're not seeking you because there's 50 million agents out there. They don't know all of them aren't the best to serve them, but they see it's a million. And some people have the idea that they can sell their house themselves or whatever the case is themselves. So they're not even seeking them out. But the thing is, like I said, you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit to work as a real estate agent because some people have a personality of, I just like to give me the task board and I can execute these to the highest extent. Some people are excellent at that and they shouldn't be in the driver's seat of operations. They're not good at operations. So just as a real estate agent, that's the main advice I would have. Like it's the, if you're looking for, you don't have to have four years of education to do it or whatever the case is, you still have to be disciplined and you still have to sit yourself down and focus on, you know, which direction you're going to go in and find some alternative ways. Because working in real estate over the years, what I've found is sometimes in slow seasons, you're working off of savings. Like your household is run by your savings. Sometimes you're stopping because you have to go work a regular nine to five because this is not bringing it in because it's not like a biweekly paycheck until you have a pipeline of consistent people. But to manage a pipeline like that, you need help. So you might need an assistant. Mm -hmm. So the main thing is, like I said, those slow seasons, you have to have something in place for that. That all comes from like having a spending plan and things like that. So it's not just come in and make this big money. It's not like that. But as far as real estate development, I feel like it's something that's easy. It doesn't require formal education, so to speak, for you to be able to legally do it. But you should have some education because, like I said, I'm in a real estate development program now. However, there's so much I didn't know, even though I've been in real estate technically over the course of 13 years. I still didn't know. Oh, my goodness. So it's not like, yeah, I'm just going to flip properties. Okay. If that's what you want to do. You need to have like somebody who knows this stuff. You need to read, buy yourself some books. There are YouTube videos. There's so much stuff. There are podcasts. You need to be seeking information on your own. So again, you have to be an initiator. You have to be self-motivated. You have to be disciplined. You have to have a plan, be focused, have resources, reach out to people. That is the stuff you need to have to be in real estate. Mm-hmm. Right. Look, I, this is so motivational. I- I love hearing about real estate. I feel like definitely something I want to invest in in the future. My family invests in real estate. I think it's a way that like, you know, like you said, it's not like you have to have a degree to do it. It's something that you can start with a couple thousand dollars and then you just build up on it. You can do a house. Never reach a ceiling. Never reach a ceiling financially. You just keep building. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you said, people who may have like alternative lifestyles and like say they didn't go to college or they didn't get this trade or whatever like that, but this is a viable career. You can go and dedicate to it and make good money for you and your family. And also just to see, to make other people happy, like to own a home, be the first person in your family to own the home create the opportunity for other people. If if you're buying an investment property and somebody's buying from you who was low income at one point, you're creating that for them. And I'll tell you a secret. My grandfather, like I said, who's from Macon, from Macon, Georgia, he came up to Philly and he bought real estate properties. And that's what I, when I started looking into it too. And he didn't have beyond like an elementary school education. He had to drop out because whoever the Caucasian neighbor was summoned his family for some help on this guy's farm. So he had to stop school and do the work where maybe some other siblings were able to keep going to school, but he still became this businessman. 
So for him to have been like the first black person to have like, I think it was like a laundromat in a particular area in Philly. And it was a store as well from no real formal education through real right. estate is crazy. Oh, wow. That <laughs> got me ready to go look at a property tomorrow. Look, I mean, because this is real estate tomorrow. You can change the trajectory. Like how yes. my dad is he was just like, you could buy a duplex and the same amount of money you can have like for your mortgage buying your own home, you can rent out the other side of the duplex and now you are eliminating the highest expense of owning a home. Like somebody, I think I heard somebody in a real estate investor say, there's only two ways you can eliminate your hat, like paying for a home. That's either investing in a duplex or either going to jail because you ain't got to pay for no home over there. You know, got to pay no <laughs> right. <laughs> but to be like, you know, like imagine if 800 to a thousand something dollars a month, you don't have to really worry about because you got this other person living in this duplex or you got another investment property. That's a game changer for some That people. is. And that's the reason why it's so important for certain changes to happen to allow us a foot in the door. That's why it's been talked about so much. Like with the racist practices and appraisals, they'll appraise a black person's home less than because they're black, but they'll have a white friend come in and it'll appraise for 45% more. So just because. That's crazy. And and when you have low appraised homes, your property taxes are what funds the schools. So if you have low property taxes, the schools aren't getting any funding. Or if, if you gentrify and people can't pay real estate taxes anymore, they're going into foreclosure. There are no taxes to go into the school. So that's why it's so important for Black people to learn and find their way. Like you have to have it within you to yeah. know that you can get out and find your way. Yes, Goodness. definitely possible. Thank definitely. you so much. Yes, this has been awesome. We've learned so much stuff. What I want to ask, just random, like what are some of the craziest myths or anything that you've heard about in the real estate that's just not true that people have been saying out here in the streets? <laughs> So maybe like real estate agents can't be trusted like lawyers can't be trusted. Oh. Yes. They put us in the category of like insurance people and lawyers, like they can't be trusted. They're just out to take your money. So sell by yourself. You don't hear people saying like sell by yourself, like save your commission. Don't give them commission. Don't. I do be hearing stuff. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So a good real estate agent anyway is worth whatever the price is. What's typical is like 3% of whatever the home is. So the issue is people think that they can sell by themselves, but they don't have the same expertise. They don't have the same experience. They don't have these things. Like for instance, you don't have access to buyers. If you're a seller, you don't have access to the buyers that I have access to past buyers, investors that I know anybody. Sometimes I might have access to pocket listings. Say for instance, if a buyer doesn't want to use a real estate agent, they want to look on their own. I might have pocket listings, meaning Agents contact me through text or email and say, look, I got a list now that you can put up yet. You got anybody that want to look at it. It's not even competition for you. But because you want to save your money, which might not even be that much, and you're not even really saving time, you miss out on that. Mm. You know, you miss out on that. It doesn't make any sense beside the fact of, you know, you don't know what my background is. Like I've sat in settlement conferences with federal district judges. I know how to negotiate. I've had to negotiate six-figure deals with real estate. You don't have that experience, but you're saying you want to save your money and you don't want to have a real estate agent. It doesn't make any sense. Mm, (laughs) Get you a real estate agent, (laughs) y'all. Oh, my goodness. Yes. 
Well, this has been such a pleasure. Like we really have enjoyed you. And we thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And uh, we hope that the listeners have learned something today. We definitely want to let you plug yourself in, like tell the people where they can find you at. So usually you can go to real estate rel, real estate.rel on Instagram. And in that link is my main website which is ShirelleMakesYouMoney.com. And that just pretty much is like a Pandora's box. It leads you to the legal division website. It leads you to the Sherelle Sold It website, where it's strictly real estate. It's not any of the other divisions under my company. So basically anything that has to do with like the major areas in life that can change your quality of life, your personal finances, maybe your career, maybe with some legal stuff, we handle things like that. So that's basically what you can go to on Instagram. That'll lead you to everything, realestate.rel on Instagram. And the link will lead you straight to the website. Okay, perfect. Y'all heard mm-hmm. it, realestate.rel. Check out our girl for all your real estate needs, anything else. Make sure you follow. And if you aren't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, share it to someone who may be interested in uh, purchasing a home, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll be sure to include all this information in the show notes as well. So you can refer to, and uh, we're going to have to have you come back, girl. Like this has been so good. Like we may have to do a part two or something. Definitely have to bring you back. Getting this information out there is needed. Yes. And I appreciate it. Yeah. So you got to enjoy it. Get baby yeah. clothes, please. She's ready to go. I know. Um, I have to. <laughs> it's Saturday. <laughs> I'll tell somebody I don't have to even plan my weekends because she's going to plan it for me. She's going to wake up with a dream. She's going to be like, what are we going to do? This is what I'm going to wear. This is where we're going. And I'm like, like okay. <laughs> yes, everything. But no, I definitely appreciate it. And if um, any of our listeners are out there and they have any more questions, they have questions about grants and programs in their local area, please reach out to us because we can translate those questions. We may have missed something. We didn't cover everything. Just reach out to us. And you guys reach out to me. I'll definitely help where I can. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Queen. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And um, we're going to keep in touch. to you guys soon all right y'all all right all right all right what a pleasant episode what a pleasant episode this has been so good look i am so ready to start doing a little bit more research about uh real estate and everything now like i didn't know that it was so many different ways that you can just kind of get your foot in the door so yes like you said i just have this new burst of energy because for one we manifest the our ideal home and it was something about putting those manifestations of what i want on paper now right. i'm looking at hey, this is how much money i need this is the actions i need to take to raise my credit score to increase my savings because everything that i written down is literally attainable like you know what i'm saying it's that's like, it so we manifest it We got the education. Now is literally time for us to like put some action behind me, you know? That's it. That's it. Like I am, I'm pumped too. Like I'm going to do some rerouting. Look, I've been doing, I'm going to do some rerouting. You know what I'm saying? Like I know what I need to do to get to that next level. I might not even want to buy a house first anymore. I know that was set in my heart. I've been trying, 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 like just going different ways and 
maybe it's time to uh, reroute. Maybe you might want to get an investment property or something let's first. Do it. That's why I was just saying, let's buy us a duplex, Kiana. Come on. Let's rent that thing out first. Look, underground queens, we coming. Look, investment. <laughs> look. Underground complex. It's going to be That's a- it. <laughs> It's going to be, it could be a self-care uh, place or something like just come in, you know, get pampered. I don't know. Look, the sky is the limit. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, a little village, got an apartment complex, got a laundromat, got a hair salon, right? You know, like a little That's place. That's it. Look, hey, hmm, we, look hey. we on to something. Hey. <laughs> Well, you guys, as always, we thank you so much for your support. Make sure that you like, subscribe. If you love this podcast, please rate this podcast. Give us a five-star rating. If you like what you heard today, tell someone else to rate us. And also, uh, Underground Queens merch is online. We got some new stuff coming out for you guys. So make sure you shop www.theundergroundqueens.com for all of the merch. And until next time, y'all. You're 100% that queen. And remember, you're 100% that king. Have a good evening.